0: What's your favorite scary movie? This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read some stuff this week. Oh man, I couldn't be more excited. We get to do a legacy on one of my favorite franchises, a legacy episode we're doing, Scream. (laughs) Scream. The new Scream, if you haven't heard, has debuted in theaters. It took number one from Spider-Man, and so we thought, why not? Let's dive into the backbone of this franchise. Let's get into the real-world inspiration for this thing, oh. and I want to know more about Kevin Williamson. This, is, as I said, this is one of my favorite franchises. I, you know, I've grown up with this franchise. I'm always dear to. I know it very well. I rewatched the back half of the franchise to go into the new one in theaters. I'm primed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Taylor, this is all
1: new to you. Yeah. Evan has a leg up on me this week because I know nothing, knew nothing. I I learned a lot. And so we are going to go into what the heck happened okay. with this and why what the heck is Scream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because it had taken over from an old wave of things that were dying where horror movies had lost the ability to scare or interest the audience. There was this... Golden Age of slashers that Evan is talking about. So this back
0: into the seventies through the eighties, we got all the gold and Halloween of seventy eight, and then inspired we got we got Jason not long after in eighty and Friday the Thirteenth. Well, you didn't really emerge as the killer to the second one, but oh, I don't want to get murdered. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> don't answer the phone. Uh, uh, you know, then we get we get Wes Craven's um, Nightmare on Elm Street right in the same time, and these spawn sequel after sequel. You get numerous yeah. untold copycat. Of these things. They are. It becomes a a revolving wheel of these types of movies through the 80s. Halloween comes back and puts out a bunch of sequels. It's the time for horror. But by the time we get into the 90s, it starts to. Run out of steam. The audiences yeah. have seen it all. They've seen this. <laughs> yeah. They under, they're, they are clever and up to speed to your tricks, and they are not impressed. So by the time we get to
1: the 90s, horror has running out of gas. Tired, yeah. So we're going to talk about how Scream got that way, to where it appeals to the nostalgia of that, but also to a younger audience who doesn't know or care about it anymore, and then get to what's happening in 2022, why is this one coming out now, decades and decades later? It's
0: been a decade. It has been since, a yeah. full
1: decade since the last one,
0: since Scream 4. I was in high school. I skipped school. to go see it with my buddies. I think it was senior skip day. It just happened to time out that way. So it's been a I've lived a whole decade since the last time I saw... I think it's the only one of them I saw on the theater. Yes. <laughs> right. um, but it's the. it's been a decade since I've seen one of these things, and man, it was definitely interesting to be back in Woodsboro after this <laughs> After this long. Time. Yeah.
1: So is it, you know, it kind of reminds, I told Evan, it sort of reminded me of like talking about Shrek. It's like, is it doing the same mm-hmm. thing Shrek is doing and jumping the shark and just, is it itself running out of gas after what it was What can it be to, yeah. now?
0: You know, it's been, yeah. you know, the trilogy was done by 2000, then the fourth one didn't come out to 2011. Yeah. You know, the motions of this thing, the trilogy, what can it say past the trilogy then we yeah. had the fourth sequel. Now we have another one. Are, are, is this going
1: to spawn a new era for this franchise? What will it look like? We shall see. I will bring us, though, all the way back to, before we even get to what they did right, we got to start to understand how we even got to losing an audience in the first place. Right. Way, way back, I went to the beginning of mm-hmm. the slasher genre, even before cinema. There was a playhouse in Paris, a theater, called the Grand. Guignol, or I don't know how to say it. I have a horrible French accent, but <laughs> forgive uh, us, please. There'll be there'll be links in the show notes to all this stuff. But it was late 1800s, known for these plays, gory special effects, just mm. really shocking. Not not supernatural. My kind of joint. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you would have caught me. You would have caught me there. The late 1800s. Yeah, I'm there. Uh, not not supernatural. More naturalistic man's Mm. inhumanity to man, and gruesome, gruesome. So uh. the, the way that they would structure these, five or six short plays, and they would alternate between comedy and this other stuff. So it was called Hot and Cold Showers, just to blast the audience. Very interesting. They never know what they would expect. The, the...
0: dalliance of, of comedy and horror, mm-hmm. you know, and the intermingling, the relief, the play of the two blasting yeah. off each other. Mm, very interesting. Yeah.
1: One of the directors, Max Morey, he said he would judge the success by the number of people who passed out and uh me too a- oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> same gauge when i make something you know yeah <laughs> the average was 2 every evening at this theater um just nice this is the the stuff that we're starting with theatrical which has to be shocking mostly wow. so uh went all the way until 1962 this place was open <laughs> wow I, a big a big thing was the horrors of the world wars that really was like we don't need to see this? Oh yes, in uh, culturally
0: the whole world kind of like went through a maturing through, yeah. <laughs> through that age, um, and that's reflected in all in all art um, and what what we got desensitized to uh, before and after is a stark difference. It's yeah, really fascinating.
1: The uh, building still exists. I saw in Paris, and the company mm-hmm. that runs out of there presents plays in sign language. So oh, a total. Okay. 180. Um, Wow. Yeah. But
0: that's that's it's. uh, it's, I mean, it's still performing. You know, performing. Not still open. Not demolished, and a condo on top of it or something. Mm -hmm, Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um. And the legacy continued into film, so that's why I was looking into this because the actual Mm -hmm. original slasher films. A big one was The Lunatics in 1912, using very visceral violence as well. But it was an adaptation of one of these plays at this theater. So a lot of the really graphic stuff in the early silent was coming from here. Very good. Of course, the outcry of all of this stuff where there's no censorship or any understanding of what the medium is creates the Hays Code, which we talked about before in 1930, Mm -hmm. which restricts violence and sex. Really put a damper on that sort of content.
0: Well, how are we going to make a pass out, boss?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. got to get creative, boys. And it's not live anymore. So who got creative but Alfred Hitchcock with Psycho oh, in 1960. Oh. He's the first one to really open it up after the name years. drop on you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was curious because he is breaking the code, but it didn't matter. And so how did he get around this if everybody else was just going along with it? He kind of just didn't care. He's was a game changer. He courted the head of the censor board, I also saw for years, sort of got in with who watched The Watchmen mm. and played around with the rules. As we all know, the blood mm-hmm. was syrup, but in black and white, you get away with it. And mm-hmm. showing a scene post-sex in bed, as opposed to, so there's the implication. He's mm-hmm. just all around halfway bending the rules. Although one that he... Which I never knew about, but he 100% bent, which they, he just got away with. The first American film to show a toilet on screen. That's how really? repressed people were in the uh-huh. 50s. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I I always thought he was the master creative and active audience. And somehow mm-hmm. he lulled you into being active putting the pieces together oh yeah because um, if you weren't intently following it you could lose momentum in his movies and it would it could be hard to catch back up that sometimes so right. uh, it, he's so particular uh he's the best at. then eventually you'll just fall back into what oh that's the point that's the point of the <laughs> shot leading me to the next thing leading me to the next thing not it's just subconsciously i mean absolute yeah. absolute master.
1: And then, of course, the big one that he was leading the audience along with is the false protagonist, which also happens with Scream, where you think, oh, we're following this lady. Gone. So that's definitely what Scream is pulling from, which starts with the resurgence of we're going to break the code. And then, as you had already alluded to, Halloween in 78, I had seen... The number of, in terms of slasher films, because there's all types of horror films, but we're honing in on slashers this mm-hmm. week. A hundred similar films over the next six years after oh Halloween. They like hot
0: zero in on the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, my bloody Valentine, <laughs> Silent Night,
1: deadly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dead Silent Night Deadly Night 6. Yeah, it's all yeah. <laughs> so the never-ending sequels and nonsense. Here we are at Scream 1996. Wes Craven who had already I mean he had been in that he did Elm Street, right? He did Nightmare on Elm Street. He did. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. he did the first one
0: and then he did not do any of the others Uh-oh. until he returned and uh for New Nightmare.
1: So what it so New Nightmare this was new to me as well but he's sort of ready to sub, to subvert the genre.
0: Dude I'm I'm so I'm beaming right here that I get to talk about New Nightmare because that's it's a movie that I think if you're not like a horror fan you totally don't know this movie really exists. So it is The Return of Wes Craven to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh-huh. This is I think it comes out 94. 94. So yeah. this is it, they're starting prep for screen as this is going out the door. So this mm-hmm. is how meta that the, the <laughs> 90s is getting like where is where is this stuff going? New Nightmare takes place in the real world. It's one of the first to get so meta. It it brings uh, Heather Lankenkamp, the main actress from the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. And she plays herself in a fictionalized version of her life, being Mm. the star of this franchise that now is supposed to be finished. Except it's not finished and something about it is still alive. And even Wes Craven himself has a cameo as he's, he's like writing the script up into the scene that we are watching. And he's like, you can't stop it, Heather. You know, like it's, it's in, it's actually, I think the movie is actually incredible up until maybe the, the last 20 minutes. It kind of goes off the deep end in a real way that you might not be ready for in the last 20 minutes. But up until that point, It's the only movie past the first Nightmare film that actually
1: makes me afraid of Freddy. Because Um, that's what's so fascinating to me. It sounds like it's not a spoof. It's played straight, right? It's so straight. Yes. Which is bizarre, yeah. But still it shows Wes Craven is ready to mess around with the horror genre and make a point of lord <laughs> this stuff is never ending what are we going to do different here yeah we well, have to, to break least. free
0: yeah. you have to break the rules you have to recontextualize this thing to bring it into a newer era to make it fresh audiences are keen to what has been going on in this genre you have to break free of it how their first answer was like bring freddy into the real world let's have him <laughs> terrorize the actors for she plays herself you know yeah bizarre it's- it's. I highly recommend it. On per, like at least the first two thirds. I think it's okay. it's yeah. it's really really. I I, I think it's <laughs> it's attempting something that for the time I I don't think gets the respect that it well, deserves.
1: It, when I was looking at it and looking down the list of stuff, it's you could just lump it in with oh, it's another one of the sequels of twenty nine million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no. Go just
0: watch the first one, then skip to this
1: one. Watch the first one, go to the end. <laughs> I'll post a link to the trailer for this new nightmare, which Wes Craven comes back in the trailer is fun too. It looks like a document, like (laughs) strange. It's so strange. It's so Um, fun. Yeah. So what Scream then is doing is also in a similar vein, satirizing the cliches of the slasher genre and the characters are also aware of real world horror films and they're openly discussing it. So it, it falls right in
0: line. It it is on that edge. They're so openly discussing it. Is it and now looking back on it? it is the only movie I know that gets Tarantino esque as we've come to know it and being so so versed, yeah. on, and versed in cinema and using cinema. Critique as part of the trajectory of the narrative as you're watching it unfold that becomes exciting both through the dialogue and the action when what they're talking about ends up coming around in a certain way because if somebody knows something that they just said from Oh Top Gun 1986 <laughs> yeah uh, well, but, had, had, uh, go ahead good no I ju- I like this because number one I th- I think Tarantino has kind of become the king of this and you don't really have license to talk about movies in this way unless you are him now and is the yeah. only movie I can think of that does does it so confidently that is not Tarantino.
1: Yeah. I had seen this was new to me, that the original title was called Scary Movie and it was retitled just before completion. But I I like that it makes you think about, oh yes, it is a movie about movies for movie type people, specifically horror slasher I agree. So yeah
0: I I really wish they hadn't changed the title (laughs) and, and because it does Drive that home, and, and yeah. at the end, Gail Weathers had her the closing line is like the plot of some scary movie. She's yeah. saying the title, <laughs> it's t- but it's it is so, it hits on a tonal yeah. level so so right there, and it cuts through the reality of her situation to say exactly what the movie is saying about the mm-hmm. genre.
1: Yeah, which I, I that really hit home for me, yeah. knowing that yeah. the title was first and foremost about that for the longest time. But Wes Craven, even though he had done all these other things he was not the arbiter creator of the content this comes from this other guy that you mentioned Kevin Williamson yes and there is real life basis for what he's pulling from for this story so here's his his sort of tale
0: see i had to be reminded of this cuz i I've, i'm probably ke- Kevin Williamson but i had to be reminded of the real life basis of this to begin with because it's always been such a footnote to me in, <laughs> in terms of researching Scream. So this will be really refreshing for me.
1: Yeah. So Kevin Williamson was an aspiring screenwriter. He had something in development hell that was not going through. He needs something done. He was house sitting alone and caught a TV special on said thing that we're going to discuss. And it really gave him the creeps. Mm. There was an open window in the house. He realized mm. as he was walking around. And oh, imbe- I'm vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. So he immediately calls a friend and they're on the phone and they discuss horror movies and sort of laugh it off like, oh, this is, you're, you're, <laughs> you you know, this whole thing is silly. Yeah. What, you know, turn it into laughs. So this, the basis, the TV special that he was watching was on this serial killer, the Gainesville Ripper mm. from Gainesville, Florida, Daniel Rowling. He murdered five students in Florida in August of 1990, Mm. and uh, this was over the course of four days. So it was a a spectacle. He had confessed to killing eight people total and was executed in 2006. But the manner in which he was doing this, mostly college students, he had entered their apartments by prying open sliding doors, going through side entrances, and also stabbing them repeatedly. I won't get into all the details, sure. but it's, it's rather heinous. And there was media tension as this was happening because its reports are coming in and students are being aware and people are taking different walks to class. And it was just a whole mess. They ended up finding him in jail because he, was, he had robbed a different place a month yeah. later and then connected him to three other murders in Louisiana. And he pled guilty before the trial went underway. So they didn't even have to go through with anything, but that—that that was the thing that he saw. So you could see, and then how his reaction to it. Oh, I'm going to call my friend, talk on the phone, talking about horror movies right. and how this all right. seems so cliche. So he goes all in on it. Are you talking about like a creepy story <laughs> yeah, going in as it. somebody's like watching something, getting creeped out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, he then is in dire straits financially. Had a treatment for it. Where there's a girl who's taunted over the phone by a killer and gets attacked, he developed the full script and outlines for two sequels mm. in a few days. I think it was yeah. because because of his financial needs, gives it to his agent. There's lots of bidding. It is what people are looking for. Yeah, and Wes Craven says, "Count me in." Or they they went to him. You know, they they had it was a whole process, but eventually he gets on it. Yeah. The the big thing, as we had said, how are they making this new? How are they not just rehashing? Is the casting of known actors, mm. which I hadn't realized before, was a big piece of it, because mm. it usually got relegated to the B stars or unknown people, and it's yeah, a quick cash there grab. There were and,
0: platforms for people, and it was you know if it failed, and you know, oh well, you know, no big mark on anybody. You know, it was a new, you know, so yeah, this was
1: trying to pull people out of TV. And so this, I, I had seen that which maybe this is apocryphal, but it was on multiple sources, but I couldn't find the original mm-hmm. source that Drew Barrymore approached on her own. She had yeah. read it and and volunteered essentially and was signed on as the lead role, which is bizarre. But that really got the production, her name and, and legitimized it and yes. got the audience on board. And eventually in the actual thing, of course, she decided to play a smaller role and that's the psycho angle that they pulled. Which yes, which I heard was coming.
0: also at her behest. Um, right, right, She yeah. decided she wanted to make sure that there was this strong parallel to Psycho that if, if she took that role, audiences would be totally flabbergasted that she wasn't in the rest of the film and then there, you could not divorce the DNA of Psycho
1: away from it. Yeah, so that was really the the big thing in terms of the casting and getting people that everybody knew that were big names. I think she has talked about this very
0: recently in in promotion for the new movie on her talk show oh, um, about okay. that exact thing, about de- deciding that she wanted to actually switch roles at the last minute. Yeah, so she it's interesting that she was
1: <laughs> the – because who knows if this would have been anything without Drew Barrymore, you know, <laughs> who, who would have thought. I hope
0: it's the other way. She didn't believe in it. She was like losing faith in the project. She's like, "Get me out of this. What's the smallest role? Mountain 10? minute i'm out i'm out on page 10 all right boys time, yeah. you
1: know? <laughs> i got places to be no
0: yeah. i don't i think she i think she was fully aware uh her and wes were fully yeah. aware of exactly what it meant putting her in that role and what they were doing yeah
1: so but as we talk about often for some reason even though people have these ideas and things are going along skepticism reigns and they need proof that what they're doing is working so the dailies coming in were not good the mask is not scary allegedly so Wes Craven in the the There's a whole debacle with the mask,
0: even in that. Uh, Number one, the design of the whole costume went through an arduous process, and they couldn't decide on the mask. They hired a company to copy a mask. They hired K&B effects to copy a mask that they saw in a Halloween store. They just tried to exaggerate a couple features, but lo and behold, it turned out to be basically exactly the same, and the company sued them. So this is before the movie even gets to come out. So in the midst of all of this, they decide, let's go ahead and just buy the rights for the mask. Let's li- or let's license the rights yeah, to yeah, the yeah. mask and reshoot. In the close-ups, you can see the original mask, and they use that henceforth. That is the mask that we all right. know. So in things that they couldn't reshoot, say, with like Drew Barrymore at the beginning in long shots where they're together, uh-huh. you can catch the other mask.
1: It's all over the movie, <laughs> and that's how similar it is. Yeah. So it ended up being, like you said, Fun World, like a yeah. costume <laughs> supply company. That if you go on Amazon and type in Ghostface mask, they're the ones that are selling it. I loved they, I uh, loved
0: their mask because it smelled like vanilla. It had a pati- <laughs> It had a particular smell to it, and so I, it's just like accompanied my well, Halloween <laughs> like costume. Because uh, I definitely went as Ghostface as a little co- as a yeah, child, yeah. which was totally inappropriate. But I definitely, I like, I remember very, very acutely the sweet smell of the rubber of the mask, uh, yeah, vanilla, and so that just smells <laughs> like Halloween to me,
1: and candy, of course. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. You're probably hot. It up smells on like candy can- yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but with the mask not being as you're saying, it's a, it's all over the place. Now it's the iconic thing. But Wes Craven and the editor Patrick Lussier edited. The opening 13 minutes, as much as they could, mm-hmm. to show how it might be, because they were thinking of dropping him, Wes Craven. And then oh he, he was able to continue as the director because. This guy's lost it. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to prove it. You know, it's, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, and I look at that. that I mean,
0: the movie, in so much after the fact, is sold on the master of horror having a referendum on this, on the genre. Yeah. And even in the middle of the process, the studio has almost no
1: faith in it. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty bizarre. But that's, that's show business, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's show business, baby. Creative work, at least, yeah. So the release then, December 20th, 1996. Bizarre, again, critical, Christmas time. What are you doing? This is family-friendly. Breaking fair, the rules, baby. Good tidings. But the producer argued that it was favorable because teens and horror fans have nothing to watch while their parents are telling them to go to whatever. Go to the rom-com <laughs> or like yeah. the dog movie. But yeah, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> no. So- It did okay the first weekend and then just steadily rose in ticket sales and was shown in theaters for almost eight months after release. That parallels exactly what happened with Halloween. Halloween started in a little, in
0: one town and got to the next town and eventually became this phenomenon, opened as this little nothing movie and went up when usually you have this big opening and you go down. It's rare that you, you debut and you slowly creep up and then you like stay on screens.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that nobody does that. Nobody does because, that. Yeah, yeah. So this was the highest grossing slasher until 2018's Halloween, and wow. Wow. it is the it is the highest adjusted for inflation. Wow, that's my list right there, just for that <laughs> old inflation. I mean, I still like Halloween's
0: up there, but I just I always <laughs> yeah. adjust for inflation. Everything else is propaganda.
1: It's wild that the cri- wild. the 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 critique the satire, the message on slasher films is the highest grossing slasher film. (laughs) But in spite of all the praise and accolades mired in controversy, specifically real world coming into the fore, because Mm -hmm. this is moral panic time, early 90s, there's an article, which I won't go into all of them because it's not necessary, but 11 plus sort of copycat crimes or violent acts that were in some form either people had drawings of Ghostface or they were they killed somebody because they wanted money to go buy a costume or mm. just all this kind of stuff well is, is happening from you know 98 i guess onwards i mean i Continued, do have some yeah. i do have some larger thoughts on that as the f- yeah. the
0: franchise overall i think it becomes the most odd parallel allegory for school shootings or gun violence in America I think uh-huh. that if you take away the knife as the if you dilute that down as the metaphor uh, <laughs> I think right. that you know scream comes out in 96 columbine happens in 99 it the two killers that's it's the coincidences are are beyond the pale yeah, and what it has to say about generationally, uh, the generational anger, I think tracks. Uh, I think it's something very, very unsettling when you. St- I don't think it's necessarily the point when they're in the in the dirt and they're making these movies, but I think it it is tapping on something so real that it ends up almost having a premonition of right. what is. De- I mean, this. I if if you look at Scream and the plot of Scream and when it comes out based on when Columbine happens, it looks like a premonition to me. Yeah, um, and it's.
1: Yeah. It's it's hard to point to correlation causation, and that was a lot of the right, stuff I saw. Right. One thing where a judge just ordered the evidence pertaining to Scream to be barred and not to refer to it in the media as the Scream murder, and because I, I, it, yeah, it, it's these things come in, and I don't even this the th- I think where I sit on it is that the, the movie is
0: just talking about something that was already there that was existing. And I'm I'm almost glad that we have a piece of art that we can point to and talk about these types of things because and then throughout these sequels they talk about these different talking points B- Billy Loomis's mother is the killer in the second movie that mm-hmm. is that happens in the midst of, uh, of Columbine's <laughs> thinking like are the pa- parents to blame where the narrative went that direction so ridiculous right, yeah. uh, That this this is talking about those types of things mm-hmm. uh, who is responsible for when something like this happens It, it, when it it's a heightened si- you know cinema version of a shooting to me the 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 slasher contextualizing something like this that feels right. so real
1: yeah rounding that out may of 99 the us senate commerce committee after columbine it was held they held a hearing regarding specifically hollywood and movies the opening scene of the first scream was shown to them there you go well, i was to, just talking because yeah. i you know i'm i'm connected
0: to the material and the thematics i've made a school shooting film you know like yeah, oh, I, yeah.
1: And there you go. I didn't even. Know there you that, go. So. Yeah, that brings us to the last section. Here we are in the final part of this timeline. Why now? Because from the original Scream comes this distinct era of post Scream horror films. Some of them already written by Kevin Williamson, so I know what you did last summer. <laughs> he also wrote, but these sort of ones. <laughs> I didn't that are...
0: even know that, dude. Really? Yeah. yeah I'm gonna yeah. go watch it. <laughs> Because I was like thinking about that this week of being like, oh yeah, that was the one that tried to do scream you know like you yeah. had to <laughs> rip out, and I'm just like that's Kevin Williamson no way and and it's fun it's funny too because he also got brought in to help uh, do the reboot of Halloween at the same time Halloween really. h2o comes out in 1998 they mm. bring him in to help figure out what that story is going to be I don't think he ends up with uh, I think he ends up with an executive producer credit maybe. Uh-huh. but that was the original ideas they wanted to take him directly off of the, his work in scream and say yeah let's know what's your Halloween movie like they were bringing back Carpenter and Jamie Lee, yeah. and that's how everything was. That was what it was supposed to be when it got yeah. going.
1: So, Urban Legend came out as well, and then of course, yes, Scary yes, Scar- yes. Yeah.
0: That's that's mm, back in my childhood.
1: Baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scary Movie in two thousand, which is literally the it's the complete other way. Now we've hit full on parody. <laughs> yes, of the those parody types of, of, films. The, of the satire, of the, and
0: I and I'm using satire because people throw around again. And we were talking about this recently. Satire with Don't Look it, Up, yeah and I'm, I, Scream is not funny. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's nothing funny about this movie. So I do not understand articles like on their face talking about like Scream's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think you've seen the movie because I just rewatched it in the fall and I watched it with somebody who I don't think had ever seen it. They were doing their own research on it mm-hmm. and you went into it thinking, this is supposed to be funny, right? Absolutely, grabbing his pillow by the end of the movie. Yeah,
1: it, <laughs> it works. It works as a horror movie, also.
0: So that's satire working under that umbrella, not <laughs> employing the ideas of Boom. parody and comedy. Then that's yeah. not at work in Scream. It gotcha. gets funny and, and referential because of the cinema talk, but that's not yeah. divorced from what's happening in the plot. Yeah,
1: the second film then follows. Fared well financially and critically. The first film. I think in history that you know the big one significantly affected by internet leaks because Oh
0: interesting really.
1: Yeah yeah so the there was information about the script the, the who the actual killers were the plot and so they had to rewrite a bunch on the fly and change oh, wow. it and then the the actors were not given the last pages until weeks before I didn't know that yeah, the scene That's involving-
0: And that actually informs a little bit more of the third film because it kind of starts to get a little bit more meta, the movie of the movie and, and like people talking <laughs> about the script and who's and the fans who and, and yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That directly affected the wow. second movie. And then I even know with the fifth one, they did the same thing where they gave out different scripts with different endings. Very good. Of course, you figured it out because you have to act in it, but, right. but you're suspicious of everyone because of the internet. Very good. Very good. <laughs> messing things up. So- Shortly thereafter, th- thus this is the third one. Kevin Williamson went off to create our dear favorite Dawson's Creek in mm, 1998.
0: Just, just rolling out those hits, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't know uh, it was semi-biographical cuz Dawson well Dawson the character is this hopeless romantic who's obsessed with movies specifically Spielberg stuff. Oh man, that comes full circle in Scary Movie when in the
0: opening scene setting up the Sydney like parody uh-huh. character Dawson comes up the window while they're making out sees yeah. a couple <laughs> making out goes looks around goes ah wrong
1: set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love I
0: just die.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's Kevin Williamson too, which wow. helped launch Yeah, helped launch the WB, which we talked about last week with Euphoria and sort of the teen Mm -hmm. drama pinnacle piece. And then he did the Vampire Diaries for the CW. I had no idea. Later. Oh my gosh. Got his hand in TV and and that world. I mean, it makes sense because Scream is, even though if it's not necessarily geared towards teenagers or it's kind of like Euphoria where it's like, well, you shouldn't watch this, but you will anyway. So here you go. He's, he's in all that. But the third movie then, because he's doing this other stuff, he's not involved in.
0: So is it based on his... You said at the beginning that yeah, he yeah. quickly did outline treatments for the for the first three. Are they yeah. still using that?
1: I do not know whether that's the case. But I know that that was the reason it was the trilogy, because they, they were ready to do this. I'm not sure how much they pulled or deviated from it. But it was, yes, planned as the trilogy, and he had the outlines. And I so... Mean,
0: yeah, I don't know. I think proofs in the pudding with this one, and and I think people come down too hard on this movie, but I think it is quite obvious that it might be the weakest of the of all of them. Yeah, uh, and I think that's not in small part due to Kevin Williamson's absence. I, right, you know, I, Wes is there all through them until this newest one, but I I think so much of the of the energy of it really comes from from Kevin. So the but the third one still did not make me. As frustrated as I thought it was going to make me, I have seen this right. movie before. It definitely, I think, gets a bad rap. I think Scream is probably one of the most consistent, even quality <laughs> horror franchises that exist. Full right. stop. Uh, and that's including the third one. I, uh, you know, but I do, I do think that Kevin Williamson is kind of the difference here. Did he write the new one? Nobody's very much involved with it. Right.
1: So, and I guess for I, I didn't see them, but what I saw critics saying about the third one broadly is that it sort of became more of what the original was satirizing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in it shreked itself and <laughs> did. It was yeah. running out of story. It really yeah, was yeah. running
0: out of story. And so that brings us kind of to the last phase here of, it was a tight trilogy again, 96 and we're done and out by 2000, 2001. That's so, right. so, so fast. And, a bunch of your story was ruined for the second one. So you're coming up with stuff on the fly. They're put they're they're running out of gas for their yeah. for their core characters to keep the momentum of this thing running. So right. I I you know, looking at it that way, I'm just like, thank god they made it to the end with something that felt like a period. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so here's what then happens with the timeline. We have this post-scream remake revisionist age is dwindling. What comes, what I could find to prominence, the shift in a way, to television being a horror vehicle. So American Horror Story, The Walking Dead, these are not all slashers, but the interest is saying, sure. oh, could we could we do this in this way? And then in terms on the film side, it's less the let's poke fun at the films and revisionize but let's make it more graphic the found footage stuff so paranormal activity saw etc it's almost back to the origin of slashers like the real intense dread in the paris theater Mm -hmm. this is gonna
0: up the ante you gotta make why am i afraid you can't just (laughs) chase me with a knife anymore i'll get away you gotta trap me in a room and create a jigsaw puzzle out of it
1: yeah 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 we're talking we're not talking about the horror anymore we're just actually showing it we're um, stepping
0: it up. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. complete escalation from where we were of the gore of the 80s. So, I mean, still intense, crazy, insane stuff that will probably never be done again was done in the 80s. But at the same time, the gore that we found through the 2000s into the 2010s, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the saws, uh, yeah. it it's a different nature. It's a different level. The hostels. I mean, it became, it's, how many franchises were just based on, yeah, yeah. on yeah. the carnage? <laughs> Uh, I mean, torture porn became,
1: you know, that was one of the last genres of like, is this a genre? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah. But as you were saying before, to reiterate with the first Scream, it is a horror movie. And there was a lot that they had to cut out because they were going to get it in Mm C-17. It's gruesome. Mm -hmm. It's not... Even and, though we're saying in oh, well, particular it is.
0: The, yeah. the climax scene. I mean, that is uh, mm-hmm. with Billy and Stu's reveal and then turning the knife on each other is what sold the movie. And it is exactly what was going to earn
1: them that NC 17. Yeah. So that lightning in a bottle, I don't think carries over time and time and time again, just naturally by the nature of making anything. So Scream 4 is where we're at now in 2011 which is 15 years after the release of the first one. And from what I could see, foreshadowing social media and internet fame arriving on the scene. Oh my God, Like you're talking about premonitions.
0: I'm telling you, man, with (laughs) my experience with this, because we watched, in the fall we had watched one and two, and then we picked it up this week with three, four, and then went to the theater to see five. Uh Uh-huh. The fourth one, as the climax is unfolding, our jaws Dropped as the killer is talking about her motivations because we, me and my wife, looked at each other and we go, they are nailing it. Wes is nailing it, Kevin (laughs) is nailing it. Premonition, if you have been unnerved by everything that's been Mm. going on on Instagram, social media, the election, just all of it, just all the craziness we're in the milk of, just go listen to the, go look at the climax of Scream 4 because they put a nail on the head of exactly where the mentality of the generation was going. It was so ahead of its time. I remember Mm -hmm. going to the theater so clearly, skipping school, I didn't not like the movie, but I was a little underwhelmed, and I definitely didn't get it and wasn't didn't understand it, and I didn't yeah. return to it because I went, well, it was it was uh, maybe un- slightly underwhelming. Returning yeah. to it this week fully validated it. It's a premonition of the, the, the fame and uh, it almost is yeah. a premonition of this next phase of like, how do I, te- how do we become these characters that we don't want to let go of? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Uh, so it yeah. starts barking up that tree that then the fifth one really takes off with.
1: So with all of that, as you're saying, you saw it maybe underwhelmed because who knows? It was ahead of its time, we, yeah. dude, because so, I watch
0: it now and it's it, it just, oh, it aged
1: so well. Williamson said he was contracted for a fifth film as well, but because of the performance of four and then Wes Craven dies in twenty fifteen. Yeah. And so they're not uh that, that Jonesing seem to be thrown down on another yeah. one. Yeah. 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 The
0: energy seemed to have left the bottle with the core creative team when Wes passes away.
1: Yeah. So MTV did an anthology T V spin off series loosely based. Right. And so that was... Which they mean. had their
0: own, like,
1: mask <laughs> controversy. Right. They didn't license the mask either
0: and tried to make their own way different. And then now it's not screen because you've made four movies with
1: them. You can't also just change a, a bizarre thing to be like, you know where the kids are? They're watching MTV. Yeah. <laughs> are they in late 20, 2010? <laughs> I don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, but so,
1: I mean, it did. And then eventually, though, it seemed to come
0: around. It stayed alive. They did. Eventually, they realized that was a mistake. They licensed the mask. And it seemed like that TV show was running up until rather recently. Right. I do not. I have think it, it. I think yeah. I, I. think it was maybe just ended in 2018 or 19. I'm pretty sure it right. stayed pretty fresh. I'm
1: pretty sure that's what still left some yeah. life in the kept tank the gasps yes of air. So now we're on to the final piece: Scream Five and what I would call sort of the reboot age, which Blumhouse produced the Halloween film in 2018, and they had expressed an interest in reviving. And then the Weinstein Company were the ones that owned it, and they had closed. Because of scandal, et cetera, so everyone's now looking at it. We're talking about which we've covered: Candyman as a reboot, Child's Play was the Chucky one. We're we're looking at let's just and even also keeping the same name. It's not Candyman the sequel. (laughs) It's just just doing the name again. So Candyman, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not they they know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) So Scream Five, almost twenty-five years after the first one, and as you said, a decade after Scream Four because I was curious about the directors and writers of this one, they were in their early to late teens when the first Scream came out. Mm. Sometimes you look, like the actors were four years old when it, when it came out, <laughs> so they don't know anything. But the crew in it is, they're making a fan film yes, in a way. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Williamson, executive producing, he's not writing, but he is heavily involved mm-hmm. and winks and nods at Scream 5 because I didn't realize there's a whole secondary film series which of course with Wes Craven and understanding him, he would put this in there. Say what the, now? Like the stab. Oh films. yes, yeah.
0: That's what it's now with, what I was saying is they're running out a story for our core characters through the trilogy. Now we've found that the stab franchise, the fictionalized version of what we of saw. Of the Scream franchise or
1: whatever. They in, make a movie yeah. out of what
0: happened in the first movie and it creates its own thing. So then it very much becomes a direct commentary on movies and their franchises, their sequels, their fans and genre. Mm-hmm. And the stab franchise, which looks exactly like a screen movie, <laughs> has become where the story really now lives. Whereas Sid and uh, Deputy Dewey and Gail Weathers are becoming less and less in- in- integral to these stories. Kind of like we're having trouble letting them go, like Luke and Leia and Han. Mm-hmm. I would really put that <laughs> as a as a as a, similar, as a pretty close yeah. parallel. It really, the trajectory, the oomph of the story lives with how, well, what can we say now about cinema and genre and sequels, these reboots? This new one is all about requels, as they start to call it, the reboot-sequel-hybrid uh, thing that we have kind of found ourselves in as of late. And namely, I mean, they I would say as, as strange as it sounds, they make almost no uh, no qualm about Talking about Star Wars, right. they almost replace Star Wars and the fandom for the stab movies and fandom, right, to the right. point where they are naming nearly without naming Ryan Johnson, the Knives Out director, that's yeah. in the movie. <laughs> they are talking about the the backlash of Last Jedi. They say Mary the Mary Sue argument, bringing in all the was well, it just cultural? You know, is it just like some sort of like pandering to cultural PC? Blah 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 they are full stop replacing uh, the, scre- the <laughs> Scream fandom with the Star Wars fandom and contextualizing that as STAB, the STAB movies. And I thought to be, this is how you keep it fresh. This is how you keep it relevant because I think yeah. most audiences, if the, whether they know it or not, subconsciously, they're going to pick up on these types of things. They're going to pick up on these. if you just a, If you put just the right word here and there, they're going to get it. And it's going to be a conversation that feels like we're having it in 2022.
1: Well we are also in the multiverse era of filmmaking as well as the meta era of filmmaking. We just oh, yeah. covered M- Matrix Resurrections which is questioning its own existence uh, and and rebelling against itself. Oh, we've seen this before. You know, the, all these lines are in these movies. Yes. Yes. But sort of what what can we do with this?
0: I mean, and and we didn't cover but Spider-Man rang uh, uh, hailed oh, supreme walk, yeah, through the yeah. holidays, yeah. but it had yeah. to bring back a 20 a, a 20-year-old Spider-Man, to do, you know, like <laughs> That it, we are yeah. stuck in this in this cycle, and so interesting now that Scream has found a way to talk not just about horror, but talk about movies in in large, Mo- yeah. talk about fandom in large. Because spoiler alert, fans become the villain in Scream yeah. Five, and, <laughs> yeah. and and I think it's the most uh, online version um, of this story. It's the only way you could do this, and it and it feel like it had something to say.
1: Really, yeah. Coupling it with Matrix Resurrections in a way, it's Lana Wachowski being like, the studio is the villain because they kept hounding me for this and then they were going to replace me. And I said, fine, I'll do it, but I'll do it my way. Mm. And with this, it's like, and the fans mm-hmm. are coming from the mm-hmm. other side when they don't even know what they want yes. or what, you know, I kind of see it as two different directions. Like, I really liked our episode on the power yes. of the dog because it was based on something, but who the heck knew what that was? <laughs> right. And that was interesting to look at. The other way, is play it meta, but play it straight and say this is about this type of movie. yeah, this is about exemplifying the genre, but also talking about what what the heck can we do as filmmakers right. If this, you know, I, just, that's a is great way lab. to yeah. say it,
0: but you're so right. You can look at as in terms of just what's coming out. Where's media going? What are on the minds of the artists that we're talking? What are the, what are the parallel yeah. themes? I think you're exactly right. Uh, Matrix is the creator questioning. Well, what, it, what, what is my place in this now? And scream is very much uh, <laughs> the fan. What it, it is made by fans of top to bottom. Yeah. And, it is asking that question. Where do we fit in? And what are we responsible for some of the, you know, it very much is asking these questions. That's an interesting way to look at like, movies that are in theaters
1: right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it's like taking a Scream illusion the call is coming from inside the house mm. the filmmakers are saying what what can we do with this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, how do we yeah, you have, a, we you have Lana over
0: there going like I created this and now I don't know what, what they want it to be anymore and then Scream yeah. is on the other side almost as a replacement for, for Star Wars going like well, are fans
1: driving it now and what can that be and mean if you're not if you're not gonna let us do something original. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Um so yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong.
0: Uh, what did you think? What, did, what is Scream gonna be moving forward? I, I I hope we kinda get one every every decade. We do kinda do this decade game with the features. I like there's enough time to pass to have something to say. I'll be interested right. to see what we do with it. I think the TV stuff is still valid. But it's a different animal. I've not really watched or paid attention to any of that, but that's fine. They could do it. If that keeps it alive, keeps the money going, fine. But I would I yeah. would let the movie engagements go for a while, ride this success, and then wait till you have, lay back until Ghostfest has got something to say.
1: Yeah. Do you like this or not? Send us any questions, comments, curse words to... <laughs> Illiterate pod on Instagram, threats. at illiterate Pod. <laughs> no, no threats, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you think of Slasher Films? And as always, any suggestions? We got some recently for doing Lord of the Rings, so mm. we will try. Hopefully, there's supposed to be a show coming out. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> but if yes, it doesn't yes, come yes.
1: out soon, we're going to do it anyway. It's, on,
0: it's on the list, so get in contact yeah. with us.
1: Yeah, let us know what else you want to see or hear, and uh, we'll catch you next week.